Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing my views of hope as a realist. In my work, I help people learn the difference between functional hope and dysfunctional hope. In my Big Boundaries course, every year when we go over this, people are astounded, like mind blown, that something like hope can become dysfunctional. It's a pretty mind-blowing concept when we come from teachings that say to always be hopeful, that that's positive, that that's high vibe, to never, ever, ever lose hope. And I agree with never losing hope in certain things, but there is a way that in the course of a lifetime, we really do need to examine where we're putting our big hope, especially as highly sensitive people, especially as survivors who are trying to manage our energy and heal nervous systems and feel calm and centered and sane and grounded in this world that is chaotic. I thought now might be a good time for me to share the ways that I hope and the ways that I don't hope, the places where I put my hope and the places where I won't. So where do we put our hope? How do we take care of ourselves when things look bleak to our highly sensitive hearts, bodies, minds? I didn't always practice hope in such ways. The first thing that I want to talk about is this dynamic that I have seen for many years in myself and in highly sensitive clients. Most of us with normal to high empathy, we practice giving chances. We want to give second chances. We want to see people succeed. We want to see people honor their vows, honor their commitments, honor their promises, honor the promises that they make to show up. But when we offer second chances and we have a people-pleasing problem, we seem to distort our own thinking and wind up believing that people are supposed to have unlimited chances. This way of being, this distorting second chances into unlimited chances, into endless chances, creates a lot of highly sensitive person exhaustion, resentment, bitterness, 
deep unfulfillment. And when we really look at this dynamic, it can be shocking to see that this is what we've been doing. And we wonder why we're so drained. We wonder why we don't want to have drama in our lives, but we find ourselves surrounded by drama. Is this what's been going on? Have you been inadvertently participating in the drama in your life by giving unlimited chances? This is a way that we participate in misusing our hope, in taking something beautiful and sort of pure like hope and continuing to put it in a place where that hope has been misused, disregarded, dismissed, stomped on. In boundaries and self-respect work, we learn to move that line from unlimited to fewer chances. This isn't to be colder to other people. This isn't to become a hard ass. This is to finally acknowledge that to give hope, to throw hope down black holes, is a waste of my own emotional resource. And if I'm respecting myself, I can't continue to do that. So often on the healing path, when we never knew that this was a piece of work, that we needed or that we would wind up doing, we wind up learning how to maintain more of our hope for ourselves than throwing it down things that have proven to be black holes for hope. And that leads me to the second thing I want to share with you today. I make sure that I'm hoping in what I can control. All of my work stems from this idea that our peace Our happiness, our contentment comes from the inside instead of the external. I work to let go. I work to detach with love from the things that my ego wants to grip on that are external to me that I don't really control. This can show up in real basic surface ways. If I plan a hike in summer, I don't hope that it doesn't rain. I plan instead of hope because planning feels more empowered. Planning helps me step into what I can actually control and let go of what I don't control. I have no control over the weather. I am at the weather's mercy. I have no power there. So I don't want to just cross my fingers and hope that it doesn't rain. I plan instead of hope. I plan a plan B. Another event we can do that day if the weather disagrees with our hiking plan. Or I can pick another hike in a very different part of the state that has different weather going on in the mountains. This past summer, that's how we planned to work around fires so that we could still hike and still get out in nature, still protect our lungs and not be in any danger. There are times for hope and there are times for the action of pivoting. We can help ourselves with this as highly sensitive people by planning a simple plan B based on what we can control. That feels like a better investment for my hope than throwing my hope at something like weather. Can I give a little bit like a 5% or a 10% if I try to put a number to it? to hoping it'll be a beautiful day, sure. 
Managing my hope is not so much in, in what I'm thinking about. It's in the energy that I'm giving it. I don't want to hope that the day is going to be a pretty day the way a child stays up Christmas Eve night hoping to see Santa Claus. That's a lot of energy. So if I'm managing my energy for my nervous system, for my body, that's healing from over energy over the course of a lifetime, from overstimulation over the course of a lifetime, managing hope in these ways becomes a really important part of my self-care. Now, one of the things that's important to me when I talk about dysfunctional hope is that people don't take their pendulum and swing it to the other side. I don't lower my hope bar so far that I don't let myself get excited. I think that's a dysfunctional relationship with disappointment when we're trying so hard to avoid disappointment that we won't allow ourselves to get excited a few years ago, we were semifinalists in the podcast awards, and we didn't win. I very much allowed myself to hope to win, to get excited. I can do that now, when in the past I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would have been too scared of falling down, of failing, of being disappointed, and then the inner critic in my head would have beat myself up. In healing and managing that inner critic, it has allowed me a permission to get more excited and more hopeful about things like possibly winning an award and leaning into the growth edge of nurturing myself and being positive and happy for the other winners and happy that I was in a position to be nominated and to let go of my external locus of control desire that the ego wants to win or to get acknowledgement, or to just simply not be the loser. So I can maintain a sense of excitement and maintain a sense of hope, even within the energy of losing a contest or losing an award. That is a hope in how I handle things instead of a hope of actually winning. This is the commitment that I make to myself each day to try to be as high vibe as I can be, and it doesn't mean that I don't have failing moments. It means that I retain enough of my hope for what I can control to be able to keep giving myself hope in me. I want to name the hope elephant in the room. And this is not the right way to be or the wrong way to be. This is what I figured out for me in managing my hope. You may figure out some very different lines from very different ways of being some of which may agree with my way, some of which may disagree with my way, and that's okay. I share my way not to say that it's the right way, but to show you that you have every right to create the way that works for you too, and that that's not a threat between people to be different in this way. I do not hope in politics as we know it now. I no longer hope that it can fix itself. To continue to hope in politics as we know it in America goes against my first hope rule that I mentioned in this podcast about unlimited chances. What I do have a lot of hope for is in natural consequences and systems hitting rock bottom. Because in my time on this planet, I've seen that those are our greatest teachers. I've seen natural consequences. And hitting rock bottom bring 
pain that teaches us. I'm highly aware that pain is our greatest teacher as human beings. Pain is what breaks through the stubbornness of our egos. Pain is what forces us to break through some of our own sabotaging denial as individual people and as systems. The action of voting has nothing to do with my level of hope. It is a thing that I can do, so I can do it, so I did it. And I continue to do it today. But I don't have to put the tenderness of my hope in that basket based on the evidence that I have about how politics has worked over the course of my life and before. In all things, not just political, I work to manage my precious hope. And I refuse to continue to give it to something that proves to me that it's deeply dysfunctional, that it's manipulative. I need no more evidence. But an important note here is that I also revisit anything that I lose hope in. I stay open to new positive developments, to hit my awareness, to reignite my hope, so I can maintain in any situation a reasonable amount of hope that things can change and show me something new and different. And I am always open to changing my mind, changing how I distribute my hope. That's its own essence of self-care for me that I won't just lock down and build a wall up anywhere, that I can revisit and decide to knock some bricks out of a wall if that's what my wisdom and my intuition tells me is smart for my heart and smart for my mind and smart for my body. I want to invest my hope like we might think of investing our dollars. I want to be savvy. I want to be discerning. And I want to put that hope places where that hope will grow. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. I also put hope in securely attached people. And I put a lot of hope in anxiously attached people that are working to be more secure, secure in their own lives, secure in their jobs, secure in their career paths, secure in their own resiliency when life throws them wave of stress after wave of stress. I put a lot of hope in the people that listen to this show, that choose to work with me, and choose to walk their seeker's path, spreading healing vibes and healing messages, learning to speak out of their healing instead of speaking out of their wounds. I put a lot of hope into how many people on this planet are working on passion projects, 
are working to be the change in the world. That feels like a fantastic place to put my hope. And when I put my hope there and I think those thoughts, I feel my heart swell and get big. I feel connected to positive people across the planet. I feel a part of a healthy, healing, imperfect, sometimes messy, highly sensitive, super-powered tribe. I put a lot of hope in the helpers and the healers who show up to do their own work, to hold space for others on the seeker's path. I put hope in gurus. And I'm not scared of that word. I am my own guru. You are your own guru. My pets are gurus. Chris is a guru for me. Anger is a guru. Joy is a guru. Nothing about guru is a worshipy, woo-woo word. A guru is simply any teacher not just a person, an event, a time in our lives, our own reaction. I put a lot of hope in the gurus that hold space teaching and preaching and loving and advocating for more of their healed up parts than their wounding. And we feel this. I know part of why y'all are even listening to even this part of the show all the way through. You could have turned me off in the first two minutes is because you can feel that coming out of me. You can feel how much work that I've done. You can feel that the words that I'm sending into this microphone and out across the airwaves come from a part of me that is light, that has worked through hard things to get to the other side. It's why when something is hurting me, when I'm still feeling the woundedness of it, I'm holding that privately even though I have this microphone because I have a lot of hope in how powerful it is to hold space for ourselves first, to gain clarity, to find our own wisdom through our own pain. Then and only then can I share it and make it useful, useful to me and useful to anybody else. And I have hope for how many people on the planet are doing similar work and spreading healing and healthy hope. I put a lot of hope in the butterfly effect, the healing energy that we send out into the world when we embody healing and wholeness, self-respect. I have a lot of hope that the magical computer science of our modern times have connected people from all over the U.S. and all over the world. I can even see it in my boundaries course. We've had international students from New Zealand and Australia and Taiwan and Canada and lots of other places. Watching people connect and share and encourage and grow together. I can't help but be hopeful. It feels powerful. I have hope in the expansiveness of higher vibes that flow out from my healing, from my work, into anyone who's listening to this right now and how you walk your path and spread those healing vibes Every moment of every single thing you've ever learned, every moment of every single thing that I've ever learned helps me in this present moment show up as the better version of myself. I have so much hope in how many people across the planet are vibrating in such a way, are looking to connect to others who feel, who see, who want clarity, who want peace, who want goodness for themselves and everyone else in the world. 
And this might sound like the strangest thing to have hope in, but I have a lot of hope when things are bad. I have a lot of hope when life is really hard. I think that's hard-earned wisdom that's available to all of us who can look back over the course of our lives, who are on the other side of pain enough to be able to look back and really see and acknowledge the truth that the hardest things in our lives are the things that have taught us the most. That helps me have tremendous hope in any present moment that is painful, that's uncomfortable, that seems to look quite hopeless. I can pull into that hard-earned wisdom and remind my present-day self from my wise woman part, hey, Nikki, do you remember how every hard moment has taught you more than you could ever have imagined? You don't have to like it, but you can trust that this is going to teach you something. And with that acknowledgement, I can hold space for my own pain. I can pick up the lens of, oh, I'm not happy that you're here, but what are you going to teach me? Show me. I'm open. Because I know as I learn those lessons, that's what gets me through to the other side of that pain the fastest. And I can't go any faster than I can go. But damn it, I can go. And I refuse to stand still in hopeless pain. I hope for the wisdom that pain is there to teach me. And that's what helps motivate me to move forward through anything and everything. And the last place I want to share with you, I'm getting a little choked up, is how I put my hope in my spirituality. And it's as simple and as complex as me putting my hope in the organized chaos of the universe and trusting as an act of faith, even when I don't feel that faith, as an act of faith for myself, choosing to believe that the universe has a higher knowing, a higher knowing than I could ever know. I hope in and I ask the universe to hold for me what is heavy to take it off of my back, to take it off of my shoulders, to hold for me what is not yet figure outable so that I might live with as much lightness as I can. This use of hope respects the preciousness of my limited days on this planet. This hope helps me own as many of the days that I possibly can with as much respect honor, gratitude, and lightness for this gift of a human experience. I refuse to just be grateful when everything is going my way. I recognize within myself that that is an immature part of me that I don't want to hold a whole lot of space for. In growing up my own inner child, I have helped her see the wisdom that is refusing to only be hopeful when things are going my own selfish way, even when I think my own ways are the right ways, it is selfish for me to consider that I would know best for everyone else on the planet. All I can do is share my own truth. And for people that resonate with that truth, they can hop on board. They can grow into more of their own truth by connecting the dots of sharing the truth that I can put into words. This is part of my calling. And for every bad thing that has ever happened to me that has tried to push me off of this seeker's path, I continue to come back to this seeker's path. How could I not have hope in that? 
This is me taking care of myself as a feeler who has felt so much dysfunctional hope, who has participated in breaking my own heart, throwing my own hope down the hole. This is my spiritual and mental and physical commitment to myself that I respect hope, that I use it in ways that lift me up, that help me on the path and that don't weigh me down. When I began the show, I had hoped that maybe it would reach a couple hundred people. I'm glad I was taking care of my hope so I had that hope to give it because it was a damn fine investment of my hope. The most beautiful thing that I can tell you is that in managing my own hope, in giving less of it to the black holes that life invites me to give it to, my heart has swollen with an overflow of functional, light, healthy, purpose-filled hope. This is available to anyone who recognizes that they have made historic, poor investments with their own hope. I know that there is something in your life right now, something that deserves your healthy hope. And I know that there is something in your life that's draining your hope. I hope today's episode helps you know that it is a choice to give yourself permission to manage even hope so that you have hope to give to your life, to your callings, to your passions, to your healing, to your wholeness. Those are fabulous high returning investment. May our hope pay off for all of us. I want to thank those of you who help other people find a whole lot of hope when they find the show. Y'all have been our marketing team since the beginning. When you share the show from our website, emotionalbadass.com or anywhere where you listen to podcasts, you are helping the show be shared with more and more people. You're helping it be suggested You are literally spreading it all over the planet. I want to thank Just Just Tastic. She says the show is validating as F. I come here to feel seen. Listening to the episode on Leaving Netherland was a profound experience that left me crying of relief into the garden bed I was tending. And she quotes me, we have officially entered the time of secret revealing. She says, that is some healing stuff right there. Thank you so much for taking time and energy to write a review. I want to thank I Hate Jam City. They're so glad that they found this podcast. The podcast has flipped a switch in their brain. Suddenly, I understand so much more about myself and how to manage my reactions to things. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for your review. I want to thank Chanela12. This podcast is amazing and inspiring. It's exactly what you were looking for. Good. I'm so happy. It helps you restore your energy and it helps you look inside yourself and be aware of your surroundings. It's helped you deal with so much and you've shared it with everyone you know. You're working to spread the joy and the happiness that it brings and you're grateful and your soul feels nourished. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience, with our new potential audience. 
I want to thank, suggest a nickname that isn't taken (laughs) for their five-star review. Thank you for loving the podcast. I want to thank Super Hedgy. That's a cute name. They say that they're oh so thankful for this work. They stumbled on the podcast. Thank you. That's because y'all have written reviews. And this was their first foray into the podcast world. That is such an honor. So many things Nikki talks about and touches upon openly resonates deeply within me. As a newly discovered HSP listening to this podcast has brought up emotions. Me too, (laughs) y'all. And deep reflections I knew I needed but always avoided. Thank you for making me raw, ugly cry on an airplane and helping me become a better me. You are so very welcome. Thank you for bravely ugly crying on the airplane and showing that sensitivity is allowed. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. It really does help the show more than I can express to you. Light and love, take care of yourselves deeply, internally. Thank you for being a listener of the show. Take care of yourselves deeply, wholly, and fully. And don't forget, I am an emotional badass. You are most certainly an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. Bye-bye. Find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.